0: It wasn't unusual for 13-year-old Mary Louise Day to run away. In fact, she had done it multiple times after her family had moved to Seaside, California. What was unusual, however, was that when Mary had run away sometime in July of 1981, her family never reported her missing. Nor did they seem too concerned with where the teen had gone. This was a fact that didn't sit too well with Mary's younger sister, Sherry, who as soon as she turned an adult would report her sister missing. But, 22 years later, just as investigators are beginning to suspect that something sinister happened to Mary Day, a routine traffic stop would throw the entire investigation for a loop. A woman with the same name and same date of birth as Mary would soon claim she was the missing woman. But was she really? Or was she what detectives on the case thought she was? An imposter. Hi, I'm your host Missy and I'm about to take you on a wild ride. Stories with plot twists, shocking endings, and unbelievable truths. Trust me when I tell you that this story is nuts. ...was born February 19th, 1968... ...and she was the oldest of three sisters... ...her other two sisters being Kathy and Sherry. The siblings had a rough upbringing... ...with all three of them being placed in foster care... ...since their mother and father could not manage... ...to look after them when the kids were younger. By 1976, Charlotte Day... ...the girls' mother had filed for divorce... ...from her husband Charles... ...and remarried a man named William Hewell. The couple regained custody of both Mary and Kathy... Meanwhile, Sherry, the youngest sister, was actually adopted by her foster family. When William enlisted in the U.S. Army, the family would be relocated to Hawaii in 1978 for William's career. While in Hawaii, Charlotte would give birth to two more children, Billie Jean and William Jr. It was about at this same time that Mary's biological father, Charles Day, was involved in an accident that would unfortunately kill him, leaving Kathy and Mary the inheritance money. Things would continue to get worse for Mary still when in 1980 she was once again removed from the Hewell household when it was discovered that William had allegedly began to get physically abusive with her. Once Mary was removed from the home William was once again relocated to Seaside, California and the family would once again move with William leaving Mary in Hawaii. But despite abuse allegations only a few months after she was removed from her home Mary was once again sent back to live with her family, now in California. Mary spoke with her sister Kathy often about running away, and the two girls even had a code word for it, so that the adults wouldn't catch on to their plans. The term for their escape? Mohawk. And Mary would manage to run away, a few times at least, but she would always be sent right back home. That is until one night in July of 1981, when William and Charlotte leave Mary and her sister Kathy at home while they go out to dinner. When William returns home, he finds his dog sick and near death. Immediately, he accuses Mary of poisoning his dog, and he beats her so badly that Kathy later admitted to seeing blood coming out of her sister's mouth. And this is the last time that Kathy sees her sister Mary. By the next morning, Mary Day has disappeared. Unlike most of the cases I cover on this podcast, however, the Hewell family does not report their 13-year-old daughter missing. They instead continue just to go about their daily lives as if nothing happened. William is once again relocated for the army, this time to New York. And when Sherry, who still visits her biological mother from time to time, goes to the house for a visit, she is shocked to discover that Mary, her oldest sister, is no longer living with them. When she asks Charlotte where her sister was, Charlotte responds that Mary ran away from home. And when she asks her sister Kathy, Kathy only says that they are no longer allowed to talk about Mary. It's something that never sits right with Sherry. And so by 1994, when Sherry is an adult, she finally files a missing persons case for Mary Day, 13 years later. Despite a report being filed, it still takes more time for Mary's information to be sent to National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. The center would finally release an age progression photo of Mary Day in 1999, when she would have been about 31 years old. Even still, an official investigation into the disappearance wasn't even launched until 2002. Investigators finally looking into Barry's case Though they couldn't find anything on Mary after 1981. There were no school records, no employment history, no driver's licenses, anything like that. It was as if Mary had completely disappeared. With the lack of any personal information about Mary Day after 1981 and Sherry's recount of not only their childhood, but the night that her sister went missing police were starting to believe that maybe something more sinister had actually happened to Mary Day. Especially when they discovered that Charlotte Hewell had bragged to her children about places in California that bodies could be hidden and never found. Now thinking that maybe Mary's case was not one of a disappearance, but one of a homicide, police tracked down who they were almost certain could have been responsible for it, William and Charlotte Hewell investigators would find the couple still together and living in Kansas. They would take them in for questioning, trying to find answers as to what really happened to Mary. Charlotte didn't seem overly concerned about her daughter and was quoted to have said, if she's dead, she's dead. Also admitting that she maybe should have done more to look for her. She told police that William had indeed filed a missing persons report, but there was no actual evidence of this at all. When they interviewed William, he would admit to getting so angry at Mary on the night of her disappearance that if he could rank his anger level from a 0 to 10, he would put it at a 15. He told investigators that Mary was kicking and punching him, so he hit her with what was essentially a martial arts move, and he might have accidentally hit her in the neck. When asked point blank if he murdered his stepdaughter, William denied it. But he still went on to say that Charlotte had told him she had seen Satan in his eyes that night. And when they asked him if the demon in him could have killed Mary, he told investigators yes. When investigators spoke to middle sister Kathy, she would tell them that after Mary's disappearance, William had instructed the children to stay out of a certain area in the family's backyard. As they tried to build a case, police would bring Kathy back to her old home in 2003 and ever point out the location that William had warned them away from. Cadaver dogs were brought to the scene, and it would soon hit on a spot that human remains could potentially be buried. As police dug, they would find a child's shoe, one Kathy said could have been worn by her sister, but no actual remains or any other clues were found. Nine months into the investigation, however, something was about to happen that would blow this case wide open. In Phoenix, Arizona, in November 2003, a pickup truck is pulled over with stolen license plates. As police run the driver's license of the two people inside, they discover the passenger, a woman born February 19, 1968, named Mary Louise Day. Investigators were floored. Could the real Mary Louise Day actually be alive and well in Phoenix? Quickly, investigators were on their way to interview who they now dubbed Phoenix Mary, and they were very quickly having some trouble with her story. Despite her admitting that she was the missing teen and that she had run away from the Hewell home to avoid the abuse she was suffering at the hands of her stepfather, and that she'd survived by staying under the radar and just by using her wits alone, she had told the story with a thick Southern accent, something that she wouldn't have been able to develop after moving to the South after age 13. And the license that Mary had carried around with her had only been issued to her three weeks prior to her arrest in Arizona. Also, this Mary seemed to have forgotten that her very own biological father had left her an inheritance. And she even forgot the code word, Mohawk, that her and her sister Kathy had used when talking about their escape plan. Not only were Mary's sisters, Kathy and Sherry, skeptical that this woman could be their sister, but so were the police. And they knew that the best way to solve this case was through DNA evidence. When they ran a DNA test on Phoenix Mary, they were able to confirm that she was indeed a biological child of Charlotte Hugh. With no other choice, they closed the case. Sherry offered Mary to come live with her in North Carolina, though she still had doubts about the woman being her long-lost sister. Jumping ahead to 2008, cadaver dogs in a search unrelated to Mary Day's case once again alert near a home near where William Hewell had moved the family after Mary's initial disappearance. Certain that this had something to do with Mary's case, the chief of police, Steve Gricone, hired a retired homicide detective named Mark Clark to take a look at the case and prove that Phoenix Mary was an imposter. Again, this case just sits for a few more years, and in 2017, when it is discovered that Mary's health is failing, Seaside, California, police chief Judy Velaz decides to go speak to Mary face-to-face to finally get some answers. Mary told Judy that after she ran away in 1981, she stayed with a woman named Maury Kimmel, who she was able to stay with for the next year before deciding to run away again. As Judy dug a little deeper, she found that one of Maury's relatives actually had a photo of Mary that had been taken. And according to them, it was a year after Mary's disappearance. With photo recognition software through a company called TrueFace, the probability of the person in the photo being the real Mary Day? 99%. With that, Judy Velaz closes the case of Mary Day, saying that she is found and the case is solved. However, detectives that worked the case during its prime back in 2002-2003 are a little bit skeptical. In fact, they still believe that maybe Phoenix Mary was in fact an imposter. Maybe Phoenix Mary was a secret daughter of Charlotte Hewell. If not, they don't know why the cadaver dogs would have hit in the spots they hit. What was, in fact, buried there? No one knows. If Phoenix Mary really was Mary Day, there is an explanation for why Charlotte Hewell and William Hewell decided to not call the police for their missing daughter. And actually, it could have just been that they were cashing in on her inheritance checks, and if she was missing, they would no longer receive them. There was also an explanation for why the driver's license of Mary's was only issued three weeks before she was arrested. And that was because she needed state aid to pay for surgery. And a nonprofit organization helped her find her birth certificate to obtain her license. Last but not least, why couldn't she remember the word mohawk? Or even the inheritance money to begin with? Judy Velaz, in the end, just chalks it up to severe alcohol abuse and past trauma. Mary Louise Day died in 2017 of lung cancer and no funeral was held. If you want to share your thoughts about this case or any other case, join our Facebook group if you're not already in it. It's facebook.com backslash Podcast. And if you have a story suggestion, send it to me at thisstoryisnuts at gmail.com. Thanks everyone for listening today and please come back next week for an all new episode of This Story Is Nuts, which drops hopefully every single Wednesday. All right, until then, stay nutty my friends. Stories Nuts was written and produced by Missy Reese with music by Logan Reese off of Groovepad.